We are not millennials. We are matured. Brought up on collaboration as an art form. Delivered as value. Hey, Steve! Hey, my man! Yay. You've got my t-shirt on. You have my t-shirt on. No, it can't be. Thankfully, we're not switching sizes as well. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> Otherwise, that Just would be... Just a second. Be... No, no, no. Was that an insult? No, not at all. You sure? No. <laughs> <laughs> it was not meant as one, but... So, we do promise everybody we were not in the same room, going through the same drawers, but we both got on one of our past Enterprise t-shirts, The Temptation of Bloom. Exactly. Governance, adoption and migration, we had this wonderful idea where we would try and sell a service to people where it was automated. Yeah. So we were I still believe that that was a brilliant idea. We were just way ahead of... Yes. It was not our time. Not our time. Yeah. So, yeah, it was... Uh, so that was when we both had the same t-shirts on. And we both had some great ideas about where we're going to go with tonight. Yes. And But um, first. But first. One-inch party. The one-inch party. The one-inch party. This is the party where your manhood must be one inch. Is that right? Not at all. I didn't know. Oh, well... I um, no. no 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 definitely no not. no it's it's not an uh, only fans right, uh, no. kind of We've thing. We've been talking no. about this for a while. Yes. The fact that I can't finish a bottle of whiskey, so oh. I kind of have to leave a little bit in the bottom all the time. And we said that one day we would get together, and we would have a party and finish off all those one-inch whiskies. Exactly. And so we have a date. Yes, we do. It's going to be September the twelfth. Yes, on a Sunday. On a Sunday, Sunday night, evening. so you can yes. go to work with a hangover and tell everybody why. Exactly, got a hangover. exactly. So you yeah. need to start collecting one-inch whiskey bottles, people. Yes, and uh, and we it's will. It's a tough thing to the... do, but yes. I'm sure you can all do it. So the idea is very simple. We will um, set up a virtual event. Moraine's in charge of setting up the virtual event. Yeah. I think you're going to use the new MS Teams webinar service. Yes, I will. I think so. And he has confirmed and guaranteed that it will be a high-quality recording. Because uh, I, I know. I? Yeah, you I, did. I said it, there was going to be a recording. I didn't <laughs> say it was anything. Well, uh, anyway, after two or three whiskeys, there will not be a high-level conversation. That is true. So. But it is a collaborative event. Yes. We are collaborators. Yes. And uh, we not millennials. really wish for a bunch of people to join and show us their whiskey bottles, their, show us their one-inch, um, and... Tell us all about it. Why did they buy it? Why, um, how does it taste? Is it good? Would they buy it again? Etc. Etc. Like et yes. And other kinds of conversations that always take place in the kitchen at parties. Exactly. And uh, so anyway, that is September the 12th. It's a Sunday night. We will have lots and lots of information out there. But put it in your diary now. Sunday night. Reserve it. Tell the wife she can go out for the night. Uh, or the husband, because we don't mind either of way around. Or the boyfriend, mm -hmm. the dog, the cat. Feed the fish, and uh, and then come and join us for two hours of talking about your whiskey that you enjoyed, and you will have enjoyed it because you're down to the last inch. Exactly. All yes. right. So yes, so I, I we've hope done on, it. I hope on Monday they come collect the bottles. Yeah. From all around the world. Yes. And so it's going to be Sunday night. So uh, if you are in America uh, or Canada or on that side of the big pond then it's yes, an, it will be a lunchtime drink for you. Exactly. It's an yeah. excellent addition to breakfast. Brunch. Whiskey yes. brunch. Whiskey brunch. Boozy, <laughs> boozy brunch. Yes. Exactly. Neat. And as we look at our new structure for tonight's podcast, it's right front and center, the yep. date. So we'll remind you of that again, and we will make sure everybody's aware of it. Okay. And on the wall, we got a few boxes, my friend, that we want to talk about. Yes. Well, actually, 25 of them. But we are gonna scale it down just <laughs> to make it to make this not a four-hour podcast. Yeah. Yes. So we came with two ideas. Yes. Um, I wanted to talk about the kind of structures that are required to be considered 
And when I talk about structure or process, I'm talking about some kind of list and an order. So around architecture, around the governance, around the content types, that kind of stuff. And you came with the idea that you'd like to talk about... Digital transformation. And I think my subject's better. So let's just ignore yours and move on. <laughs> I tell you what, because we work so well together, let's do both. Yes, exactly. And that was a brilliant idea of you. So let's talk about why digital transformation or why projects fail while we talk about the different structures that you need to set up. Because then we can talk about if you want to set up content type up, for example, and you want to set up content types, what are the things that you need to look out for so your project doesn't go down the drain? Correct. All right. Hashtag screwed up. Exactly. All right. So let's talk about digital transformation first. It started off with an article that uh, you sent for me to, re for me to read. Yes, uh, which you did I think you sent didn't. it four days ago, and I <laughs> yeah. read it 10 minutes ago. Yes, um, like because, a true consultant. Like, yes. exactly, exactly, exactly. But it was interesting. So mm -hmm. there were five areas identified as reasons for failure. Yes. Uh, for one and, reason or another. Yeah, and I think those don't really only apply to digital transformation. They really apply to every IT project or every project that you want to do within an organization. Yep, Any, but anything that you want to roll out. Agreed. So they cover five areas. So do you want to choose one and, and or run through them very, very quickly? Sure. Uh, we can start with culture, for example. Yes. Because that is uh, one that I really saw or am seeing at one of my customers, where a small customer, 60 people, and they're always working in the office. Well, pre-COVID times, of course. They were always working within the office. Everybody was there every day from nine to five okay and how and how is that a reason for failure because if you want to roll something out like teams for example there was absolutely zero interest to do that Culture. there was no uh, there was no added value in having a chat application or having online meetings because they just didn't have a need for it no nope, i get that and interestingly enough i uh, my organization that i'm attached or one of the companies that i'm working for did a uh, uh, a town hall meeting yeah and um they they brought in um some of the evangelists from simon sinek yes yeah. so the guy and, from start with why yeah the start yeah. it was that's exactly the book they yeah. were talking about yeah um and uh, the poor side had to get up really early in the morning because he was based in canada and we were doing it at 11 a.m oops. <laughs> oops it doesn't matter oh. but the thing that I wrote down from that, which is still stuck on the side of my cabinet here, is that culture eats strategy for breakfast. I just exactly. loved that idea that, yeah. you know, if you are managing a project, leading a board, and you have this great strategy, that's fine, but the culture needs to be right for it to be successful. So exactly. if you don't align that, then that fails. All right, cool. That was number one. Um, let's do number two then. Uh, leadership decision. Yeah. I think it's really important that you end up with the leadership in the right place. And if you don't end up with it in the right place, then you don't get the support you need. And we're going to talk in a little bit about metadata and enterprise content types and stuff like that. And you quoted a brilliant one. Yeah, we've got these great content types. But the users go, yeah, but that means I can't. Upload. And this is exactly how he said it, by the way. Exactly, Obviously, a yes. great yes. impression of an end user. Yes. Yeah, i got to do all this extra work now when I upload a document. But you expect the leadership to go, you know, we're doing this for a reason and to sell the project. And if they don't do that, great reason for failure because you don't get back up from the leadership. Exactly. Yes. We, we also just see sometimes uh, leaders or managers who are also just people and not always in tune with the latest and greatest technology as opposed to leaders that are really robots in disguise <laughs> exactly yes <laughs> yes poker yet, playing robots that run ran away from the company but what you really mean is that then they're, they're not part of the organization they're they're kind of up there out the way and not really knowing what's no, they're they're just not technically savvy oh yeah so you're trying so. to roll for example pretty funny example uh, from an organization that i'm doing work with um, now everybody has to come back to the office. So uh, hybrid working, all those things. So he was thinking about, okay, how are we going to do meetings where a bunch of us are together um, in the building and a few other people are still at home? How are we going to do that? It, it's not, it's, it's not going to work because then four of us have to sit in a meeting room 
and we've got the big camera watching us all and then we got five people working from home but how are we gonna make sure that everybody gets the right screen time so his idea was everybody in the meeting room needs to bring their own laptop they need to turn off their microphone but they need to turn on their camera and all join that uh, teams meeting so that everyone has the exact same little square in the teams meeting and then we'll just put a like a jabra speaker in the middle of the meeting room what okay so how would you do it just have everyone in the meeting room with a big camera we've, we've got like these big camera rooms i see what you're saying so. no, things like it. that i get yes. it there's a lot of work to do there and you do realize that hybrid working has now hit the bullshit bingo card yes yeah it's, yes. it's everywhere yes it's, and nobody knows what it means Exactly. No, I know what it means. No, it's, nobody knows what it means it, because it, we haven't worked it out yet. It's all we about location independent working. No, it's not. It is. It's not. We're already, in that case, we're already hybrid working. Yes. Because it's location independent. But it's not about that, is it? It's about being able to, and I don't know the answer either. Okay. I'm not going to tick this off. Okay. But it really is about combining a group of people at work and a group of people working from home yeah. and still being able to collaborate and share and communicate with each other and know what's happening. Yeah. But already people are complaining the biggest problem we have with people working from home is communication. Yes. So how do you deal with that is this, this is the subject of another podcast from Stephen Moraine. Yes. When we've worked it out, we'll tell you. But everybody talks about hybrid working, but they don't really yet no like this guy you just talked about you know mm -hmm. he wanted to come up with this idea but it's one yeah. that maybe will or won't work yeah so anyway um all right so the so leadership decisions uh business problems of course making yes. sure that you understand the business or not understanding means that yeah. you're likely to fail uh success measures yes yeah. those mm -hmm. kpis your targets yeah, yeah. measure and monitor yeah. and understand where they're coming from. And if I if I can just elaborate just a little on the success measures, don't measure the best people, measure the worst people. <laughs> yes, that's because true. Because if you're talking about, in this case, digital transformation, but it could also be user adoption, it could also be whatever, don't measure your top people because they will always get it right. Measure the worst people that always get it wrong or don't want to change. Measure how the whole system impacts those people. Yeah. And then finally, the old budget question, you know, yes, exactly. let's go for the cheapest supplier because then we'll get best value. Yes. Not always the most successful solution. Well, I'm driving a lot in Belgium and in the Netherlands. And in Belgium, we really have terrible roads. And that is strictly because we in Belgium for government uh, assignments, you really need to be the lowest in the group the, with the price. So I guess that's a that typical leaves, example. Yeah. So those are our five areas of failure. Yes. All right. Uh, or five reasons for failure. Yeah. That's not uh, really true. There's not areas of failure. So that's cool. So keep that in mind, folks, as we start to just run around some of the areas that we think you would need to think about, in broad terms, by the way, we'll be a little bit specific, but in broad terms, for a greenfield site from Office 365, and we're seeing more and more people now saying, hey, we've done MS Teams for the last year. What else does Office 365 have to offer? And how can I kind of, you know, prepare my architecture and my content and my people and my security and all that kind of stuff? So we had five boxes on here because i guess we could ignore adoption now because we we'll do that with the combinations not that yeah. we ignore adoption but no just adoption on our is, little list for yeah, the time being it's the sauce that we sprinkle over everything yeah so uh my first one is always content architecture and, and enterprise taxonomy the earlier you do that the better in my mind that was one of the disagreements we had from our collaboration model as well but that's fine mm -hmm. but you need to do some work on at least getting that and understanding the content that's important to people and making sure you can identify it and tag it appropriately so why? there's a structure there why why is that important um why is that the number one thing that you would do because i'm right and that's what i said i do that yeah okay so that's okay. fine that's you, cool. why would you need another no, reason i'm just i'm just thinking if, if I would be listening to this podcast 
why would enterprise taxonomy be the first thing that I would do in a greenfield situation? Uh, actually, what I said was content architecture yeah. is the first thing you need to do, which includes enterprise taxonomy. But it, it, it but it does. Yeah. It just makes sense. Yeah. I know we disagree with this. I know you don't think about that. So you would just throw a site at people and say, here's your library, throw your documents in. Yes. And then how do you tag them with any kind of architecture afterwards? You don't. You you can't change that afterwards. And that's because why then I would people do it will always be already accustomed to having it the easy way because enterprise taxonomy brings a level of complexity with it. Could be small, Agreed. could be big. Agreed. For good reason. Well, the reason that I, that I, I, I will listen, we're already tying into what I said should be the core of this podcast, but then we combine the two together. But that's why I think it's a good conversation. But for mm -hmm. me, when you get onto the most important stuff, when you start to do content governance around uh, labeling and sensitivity labels and retention labels, you're going to drive that from an in an automated way, not mm -hmm. always from the content, but you can definitely drive it from the managed metadata and the metadata that you put into place. So anyway, mm -hmm. I chose one and it just happened to be content architecture, which I believe is important to get done first time round. But anyway, that's fine. Yeah. So and, and, the, I, and the reasons for failure is because well, we don't always get your team to agree that it's important to, to be done first. <laughs> uh, yes, because it's not the sexiest thing that will bring you the quickest results. Correct. If you would start with site structure, for example, you could already uh, start creating an intranet, for example, and that will already get you a result. Then you already have your intranet in place and people can already dip their little toe in the water of Office 365 by visiting the brand new intranet. Okay, and then content types are on there. And then content types we've got there uh, as well. So I think there it's super critical to really understand the business because you can come up with a bunch of metadata attached to a content type. But if that is not supporting the business and the business processes, then why are you doing that anyway? Okay, And we have security model on there to think about. Yeah. Uh, roles, sharing, groups, that kind of stuff. And then we also had governance. You know, who is yeah. going to be the governing body, what and why. So those were the five areas we talked about that are important in no priority to get right or to consider uh -huh. or discuss. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And then so we thought we'd uh, bring those four areas in and then think about the reasons for failure and the kind of things that you need to get right. And I think it's, there's some great combinations here. So... Yeah. So, Mr. Smartass Know It All copied my T-shirt for the day because it was you that copied me, not me that copied you. Hey, um, to be honest, I've been wearing this all week, so I was first. <laughs> it might that be, explains it why might, I got the door open. Might be a bit smelly, but yes. <laughs> Good answer, my friend. Good answer. So, um, yeah, choose one. Let's start off with one of these structures and then let's think about why it might fail. Oh, no, let's start with enterprise taxonomy. Yes. <laughs> I don't want to now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. No, no, no. I yeah. think it, I yes. think it's true. I mean, yes. uh, uh, people can disagree with me. I it's I don't That's have okay. a problem with that. Okay. Um, the important thing from my perspective is that whenever you put your first document library in, you do understand the architecture around it and what kind of metadata you want to have in place. Mm -hmm. Now, there's there's two reasons for that. Really, one is that the first time you users get trained on how to use a new library, assuming they don't know, the first time they see it, they see some metadata in there. Even if your initial view is, you know, okay, look, let's just ignore the metadata for now and start using them and doing this. But if I'm going to try and teach them the value of a document library and how it works, then they're going to need to use it. So for me, getting it in there and getting it right is one thing. And the reason pulling one of those items from the reasons for failure is... It's the key leadership decision. Yes. So if the leadership are not convinced by you as the consultant or by whatever reasons they have that metadata is not key, that enterprise terms usable across the business are not key, that they don't believe in, in sensitivity and retention at this point in time, then you've got to, you're going to fail. Yes. Okay. And then you're right. At that point, you may as well go for the quick wins and do site structure first or whatever, or get sites rolled out or, or something. Mm -hmm. If 
If you're planning a holiday, you don't go to the airport without deciding what type, what flight you're going to catch, where you're going to go, what type of holiday you want. You do a level of planning for a holiday. You do a level of planning to buy a new house. You do a level of planning to have a baby. You do a level of planning to any buy a car. Yeah. And all I'm asking people to do, all I would be asking the leadership to do here is to take the sensible decision and do an amount of planning. Now, I minimize it in with my customers. You know, guys, look, I know I'm, we're going to spend four weeks here and we're not going to do anything except create a few demo sites for demoing to people. Okay, but we are going to spend a lot of time trying to identify your most important content, how we can tag that most important content, okay, and how we can then make sure that people can find that most important content. And so that enterprise architecture, I think, is right. And then there is another area as well that I think is important. Yes, exactly. So tying that to the actual day-to-day -day business processes yeah. uh, is, is super important because if you are tagging HR documents or you're tagging leadership decisions or you're tagging sales data, you really want to think about that and how they're used, how they're stored, how long they're stored, things like that super important and what and what's really crucial to that is that it's usually the leadership people that know and understand those processes knowing that process and knowing that flow of data around the organization and then making sure that's part of the content architecture and it's the leadership that know that so if you don't include the leadership at that point you're bound to fail because nobody really fully understands it but does that also mean that an organization needs to really know their processes before you can actually drill down on your enterprise taxonomy? Um, no, not necessarily. For example, the, the, the company that we uh, worked uh, on together yep. where we met each other years and years and years ago. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm not calling you old by any means, but... Um, <laughs> But that organization really had its its 12 processes really dialed down, um, well written out. Uh, they were doing a bunch of business optimization, things like that. Yep. So it was easier for us to kind of tie that into the, the, the taxonomy and the content types that we needed to align to it. Ab absolutely. And uh, another organization I worked with, uh, Heineken, uh, in their supply chain, right? There's a, a, a huge division, obviously, and that does everything that ends up in a bar for sale. And from the packaging and the original glass that made the bottle of sand and the, you know, the aluminium, all of those products, all the way through those processes, and that enabled them to be able to tag their content. Uh, what's really cool, in a perfect world, and I'm not suggesting it works in a perfect world mm -hmm. because it's difficult, but in a perfect world, if you had your processes clearly defined, if you aligned them to a content architecture, and if you aligned that into your site structure with your libraries, all the content would have value. All the retention would be easy to deal with because you know when your processes start and finish. But of course, it never works that way. If it was a perfect world like that, where would innovation yeah. fit in? It just wouldn't. Where would continual improvement fit in? It just wouldn't. So you have to do the 80-20 rule. Yeah. Um, but here's... Is the bit about processes and the excuse I always try and say. Let's assume we have a factory of some kind. So I have a team over here that builds something and then they sell it. Okay. And then there's a finance organization that invoice for it. They will all have different SharePoint sites. Yeah. But those processes, that process that says, hey, I've had an order in sales and uh, I've now gone to uh, the production and they've fulfilled that order. And then it's now gone to finance and they've now financed for that order. And you talk about logistics and all the Shipment, other kinds of stuff. Yeah, goes exactly, with it, all right? yeah. they're, they're all processes. Yeah. It's all the same piece of paper, same piece of content. Yeah. yeah? Mm -hmm. It's the finance can't actually bill it until they know it's arrived. They can't actually put it into their system as a potential order until they know it's been produced. So if you have an enterprise architecture where you say product customer, just as a normal two-way tag, you know, product design, product development, product customer, product order, then you can pull that thing in finance by saying, I need to know anything that's tagged with a product order. 
because I need to be able to, so you get a PMP web part, you throw it on the finance page, it's looking at the various sites and pulling together all of that information. You don't need a workflow because I'm suddenly now building that content in real time. Now, will it be 100% correct? No. So that's why to me, enterprise architecture is important, all right, and that, that taxonomy or the different tools you use, whether it's metadata or term sets. And then if I look at those reasons for failure here, then uh, leadership decisions, because all of this is at that level, I'm already bringing the leadership in to say, this is why it's important. And I know you've been in the same place. You talk to them about automation and what Microsoft 365 can do kind of out of the box. And they start to light up. Their eyes start to go, okay. And I'm going, this is phase two, of course. <laughs> but if we don't put the foundations in first, then to me, that's fair. And I'm going to stop now because I know I lecture on this stuff all the time. So I do apologize. No, it's good. It's great. I love your examples as well. Brilliant. Cool. Yeah. So anyway, that was content. That was uh, enterprise architecture, and yeah. potentially we can just bring in content types as well because yeah. you know we know we're it's going to so, create those so closely correlated. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, there's also something else about content types as well. In SharePoint Online, Microsoft has still got a lot of work to do with search and with uh, how you can fill in metadata around documents. Exactly. And 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 and, and so many things that still yes. So I I kind of have the feeling that the last few years Microsoft is stepping away from that heavy taxonomy kind of work that we used to do in in SharePoint 2013 for yep. example and it's more going to the route where it's easier for everyone to start using it but it doesn't have that many whistles and bells to really dial up that that taxonomy and content type functionality agreed and my concern about that and i hope everybody thinks about this even if they don't agree with me but my concern around not putting the foundations of some form or another in, whether it's governance or, or whatever, is that we will end up with the file share problem that everything is just thrown into a, a bit of a heap, into a bunch yeah. of folders. Mm -hmm. Now, I think we're in a different position now in that we have that monogetoi, you know, that wonderful threesome where this piece of document shared with these people with these rights mm -hmm. is kind of more important and easier to understand by the end user yeah. so content types are available but what microsoft are trying to do is they're trying to make it so the end user can kind of upload a template and that becomes a document they're trying to do um uh viva automated ai type tools yeah. to do it that's and, that's and they're where not quite there yet no, that's where syntax comes yep. in, of course, is that it will look at a document and automatically say, okay, this is an invoice and this is the customer and this yep. is the amount. And it will try to automate all that and and predict that and then uh, give it to you back and without you having to fill all those things in. So, I, so I'm, I'm, we're not going to say, I'm, and I'm now talking Martian. I'm not going to go on about this subject anymore. We'll move on to a different subject. But I don't think, if you want to reduce the failure possibility, then having a solid architecture of some kind in place at a level that's acceptable to the amount of time you put into it, um, the business involvement is, is key into it, yes. the leadership support behind it, it will give you a better end result. You may not see the benefits from it immediately, but you will see a better end result you know, a year later when you're trying to do retention and when you're trying to, to put in sensitivity labels. So, mm -hmm. so that's what I do. And, and all my clients that I sell this to, they do see the sense of it, even though it doesn't always succeed because of lots of reasons. But there you go. All right. Yeah. So well, we've got five reasons why it doesn't want to succeed, of course. And we yes. could probably apply those. But let's move yes. on a little bit and come back yeah. to them later. So what do you want to pick up next? Side structure. Yeah, that's your yes, baby. You that like is that. My, my sweet, sweet baby where we can really talk about the intranet now, of course, with Viva, um, where we can really talk about um, our department sites, our project sites, where we can do things with hubs, uh, navigation, and we're really waiting for that hub of hubs. The hub to, of hubs. The hub of hubs. The hubs uh, hub. To appear. Uh, no, I don't know anything about that. I, I don't know if Microsoft is working on it. Well, they've been promising it 
from when hubs came out they were promising that there would be one hub to rule all hubs uh, but uh, well but we'll we know see. why why they've not done this yet I mean no. it's, it's why private channels never turned up quickly yeah. it's complex it is it is massively complex yes but of course with the Viva uh, thing now having connection your, yes showing your intranet and, navigation and the global in, in teams for example and the, and the app bar the app bar yep. we see already that you have some kind of navigation or or primary navigation that would be accessible from your whole platform you have you have more navigation choices now than you yeah. used to have yeah. um and it and it's an interesting decision Yes. around whether you know because these are going to be communication sites you're talking about now yes. at level one and level yeah. two uh, obviously you're going to have a global site set up so that you can use your uh, app bar uh, and then you're going to have a, a row of division structural sites that are communication sites so then you've got to work out that navigation uh, because underneath that you're going to end up with a bunch of collaboration sites yes so levels one and two yeah. and then those collaboration sites yeah. at three yeah. um, and you don't really need a hub of hubs at this point in time, with that global site, as global navigation, with the hubs underneath it bringing those sites in, it's just about quantities. Yeah. So it's when you it's when you have the landing pages for those those hub sites that yeah. uh, that needs to be done. And then, of course, it's more importantly the hub site brings search. Yes. For all of the connected sites. Yeah. And of course, that's where the complexity is. If I have a hub of hub of hubs, I now have to bring in multiple search criteria so true but that also allows you to do a uh, much better uh, search for example so if you would just search on the intranet you would know that that would all be like published information that, that would be true information versus if you search on collaboration sites you would not know if the document is already finished for example it's the one piece of information that you need to tell people your search is all about context yes i had a, a, a user talk to me the other day that jabbered me one morning and uh, and said hey look you know this search is really shit it don't work and i'm going okay what are you trying to do i'm trying to find this site and i know the site and i get the site okay where are you trying to find the site? On my team site. I'm searching for the site. Okay, did you read what it said in the search box before you started typing? No. Does it say something? Yeah, yes. Okay. Go to a library. <laughs> what does it say? It says search in this library. Oh. Okay, what does it Go to the site. What does it say? Search in this site. So you're always going to search either peer or lower. Yes. And that's what you need to do. So if you want to search for a site, you need to be at the SharePoint page. And that's where you need to be at this moment in time. Yeah. Well, there there is a way how you can set, uh, for example, on your homepage of your internet, there's a way how you can say, okay, search everything in SharePoint. Of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but you still have the context to, to deal with. So yes. It, and it's yes. about setting that up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and the, the, the day we start to get refiners back again, which I don't suppose we ever will, which means that Steve Dolby here has to start really picking up on his PMP and PowerShell. Exactly. But yeah. that's that's the way it's working. And it does work very well once you get it done right. It's, uh, yes, it's those cool. PMP uh, refiners really work. So how do you fail yes. with site structure then? So we have our reasons for failure. Which are the ones that are most relevant here that you get your site structure wrong? Or can you get your site structure wrong? Do you ever get yes. it wrong? Yes, you can, definitely. But, but is it not easy to change? Um, and correct not without confusing a bunch of uh, people that's true too all right so. definitely if it's already if it's live which most of the time it is uh, you will really confuse people uh to do that also uh the naming of a site is super important <laughs> yes the url the proverbial question yes so right now i'm, I'm working with a with a university um as well and uh, it's a large university, 20,000 students, um, and they have a few thousand sites. And what we did was we had uh, two letters of the, of the faculty, uh, then dash, and then the name of the, um, of the course, and then dash, whatever it needs to be. So and that for is for your published sites? Um, or your collaboration well, sites? Yeah, no, that's for the published sites. But we already see so many questions around that. So many things where it's not clear, where people are writing 
um, faculty uh, economics dash uh, accountancy dash year one dash economics or things like that where it just doesn't make sense the real smart consultants just say put a number in no because yes. i am a firm believer of re readable urls why because if people are sending me a link i want to know where i'm going to okay that's not really true because if somebody sends you a link chances are microsoft have shortened it or they've replaced it with a link that decides what permissions are going to be applied so you don't get the url that's relevant to the site anyway and from a security perspective i don't really want a strange url that obviously says chairman's site in the title so that if this gets outside my network i now know what url i'm aiming for and they change and they move and they rename True. and yes. they restructure. That's why so, you can now rename sites in SharePoint. Uh, yeah, that's true. In a very seamless way that does not affect users that have content synchronized to it, that do not affect the links that have been set up with the permissions of a certain way to it. All right. So there are certain issues with renaming those URLs. Yeah, I, I, I guess so. And how many yeah. people have shortcuts in their favorites bar? Yes. But, I mean, there are, there's no perfect solution, and you can no. rename sites. No. But why bother? I, I honestly believe that, again, my opinion, and mm. your customers will have different opinions, for the public sites, throw a number in. You know, I have... Definite, definitely 001. not for the public sites. If you would say for collaboration sites, I'm now on project 1234. My URL would be site slash 1234. Definitely. But for my published sites, so your I would HR go with sites. HR. Yes, okay. I would go with HR. So when and HR rename from HR to... HRM. Exactly. Your site's irrelevant now. So when your security team every two years have a reorganization and go with the latest and greatest name, they're now CISO. They used to be security. All right. Then they come and say, can you rename these sites? And also all of these connected sites that we did. Yeah. In all honesty, you go to that fourth block on the bottom right hand side and you go to that governance board and you say, this is what I would like to do and why. And then they decide because they are representative of the business and they understand the pros and cons and they decide for you. I wouldn't. I'm still in favor of a readable URL. No, okay, that's yeah. fine. Well, you're the MVP, sir. Fine. <laughs> I'm bowing now. Can I get oh. up off my knees because they hurt because I'm an old man? Um, so there you go. So you have choices, folks. Uh, yes. Steve here. All right, and I don't know it all. Trust me, I really don't. Mm. I would, for my divisional sites, I would give numbers and, and levels if possible if it's not absolutely crucial. Um, and Moraine would make sure that the URL is... Readable, readable, but short. But short. Yeah. Okay. Fine. Cool. You choose. <laughs> yes. All right. What's next? Uh, I don't even know what time it is. Oh, we're already at 35, nearly 40 minutes. Okay. And, What's next? Um, I, is it next or do we actually need to think about uh, September? Because September the 12th is going to be our one-inch party and a few days later will be Commsverse. So don't forget, Commsverse runs uh, on the 15th and 16th of September in England. It's an in-person conference. It's a hybrid conference. It's a hybrid conference. Yes. Bullshit bingo. Check the box. <laughs> um, yes, so it's going to be there. Marine and I hope to be there. Yes. Uh, but of course, yeah, travel and all that kind of stuff. But we'll see mm -hmm. where we go. All right. So let's get back to our structure and processes and our reasons for failure. Yeah. We um, talked about enterprise taxonomy. We talked about site structure. Yeah. Uh, we talked about reasons why it could fail. What's we talk next? about reasons for fail and all of them because it's the combination, I think, of what we need to do and how it might fail that is yes. the adoption yeah. value here. Yeah. So let's talk about governance, I think, and finish off with security. It doesn't matter which mm -hmm. way around we do. Yeah. Um, so for me, a governance organization is about getting those ambassadors and making them understand that they are the governors of what we're doing here, this, yes. this change. So who they need to be. Do they need to be 
senior people that actually, you know, drive governance? Do they need to be representatives of different divisions like security and, uh, and other IT departments? So you need to decide who they're going to be. And it needs yes. to be people that would add value. Yes, because they need to bring the culture to the project, but they also need to be leaders so that we don't have the wrong leadership decisions. So I think you're right. The, the culture of governance needs to be clearly defined and you need to get it right. People need to understand that the sites that they are going to manage is within the rules of the governance. So they need to respect that governance team. So it needs to be filled with the appropriate members to do that. And then, of course, just as an aside, you know, you need to help them understand what they are doing and what their processes are around it and, and why they're doing it. Yes. Why governance is so important. Yeah. Um, and you can hit the usual ones about a million sites and, you know, timelines and retention and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. So so that's, that's governance. And as I think we've said, the reasons for failure very much, if you don't invest the money in getting governance right, the time and, and efforts, yes. understand that culture yeah. and make sure the leadership is supporting it. There are uh, so many true. topics as well when you're talking around governance that you really need a well heterogeneous group of people mixed mixed exactly yes <laughs> non-conformed non-binary yeah, group of no, people no left field left thinkers yes, here exactly. it needs to be people that are uh, making sure that your structure enterprise your microsoft 365 installation is supporting the business yeah. but that also means in my uh in my context that not everyone needs to be there in every meeting. For example, you could have one governance meeting around security once every two months, for example. Like really deep dive on security, really deep dive on layout, really deep dive on something else. Identity. My, my silence and the look on my face is it's, interesting. It's, it's, uh, it's mightier than a sword. Yes, exactly. Yes. <laughs> I, you see, I, I see this slightly differently in that I think early on we set up the documentation and the, the set up the rules of uh, the, the center of excellence around why we're doing this site structure content types, blah, 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 security mm -hmm. model. Pass it through the governance board and say, this is the service that will get delivered. Yep. This is the underlying stuff. And then you really only need to go through the governance board when you need to change something or when they need to be aware of something or when there's some policy changes. Because but Office 365 is changing all the time. Exactly. So you need, so let's take preview. All right. Let's take Microsoft's incessant ruling around, hey, we've got a new feature that's now in preview. Okay. Yeah. Who and we decides? will give everyone a banner showing the new thing. Unless you turn it off. Yeah, okay, I agree with that. So, But yeah. that's that's an okay. operational decision. Yes. So there should be an operational board, potentially. But but let's take, let's take um, there was something in MS Teams that I saw, uh, big group view or something that's in preview. Yeah. Um, oh, I can't remember what it's called. Uh, you're an MVP for MS Teams. So what's it called? It's the I one in the meetings where you can see like 50 people. Yeah, or, that's the one. Yeah, I don't yeah, remember exactly yeah. what it's called, but it's in preview. Now, there's a, there has to be a policy agreed by the governance board. What do you do with something that's in preview? So do I want to go to the governance board every time Microsoft brings something out in preview? No. Okay, it's too confusing for them. Yeah. So you set up a set of policies with the governance board that say, if it's in preview, first of all, we assess that it's not going to have detrimental um, effect on our network, on our service levels, our SLAs. The second thing we do, we assess, assess with the business whether this is something they need, and then we decide we will release it. And communicate it. Yeah, yeah. as a preview item, you know, with best effort support. Yeah. Or is the policy that you never let anything out that's preview because it's too much of a risk. So everything must be formally production ready yeah. so you know and those two governance you can have the deep dive in do we or don't we but once the deep dive is done you then have guidelines on how you move forward and that saves you having to wait for a monthly meeting to you know roll out a new preview item True. and new services 
uh, don't need to go through the governance board then each time as long as they fit within those policies. They do need to go into the operationals board who say, oh yeah, that new service X, yeah, we need to do some adoption work on that, communications planning, that would be more the operational board. But this is the day-to-day -day running of our service, the policies that decide how we run it, so who, what and why, um, so that we can get on and do these things. The idea of doing a deep dive on security every two months, if there's a reason to change it, or if there's, like, for example, the new change that Microsoft are, are talking about introducing for MS Teams. So MS Teams created SharePoint sites, which is a Teams team site or whatever they, yeah. they mm -hmm. call it. Yeah. It's going to have different security on it. So For the private channels. Yeah, yes, uh, mm -hmm. when, and, yes and different yeah. ways of how you're going to approach it. That, to me, would be a, an example of a deep diving in from the governance board yes. and the operational board. So yes. there are some things you would need to do. But w what I would hope is to be cost-effective and to, to set in the culture because that's what we're trying to do here. Mm -hmm. It needs to be a culture of policy-making and agreement. And the other thing is, you would use an MS Teams site here for definite for your governance board, and you would look at whether we can just talk about something rather than having to set it as a meeting agenda. Uh, so yes. some things can be decided in a yeah. virtual world, yeah. and, and then you need to categorize it. This is just for the board's information. This is the, for the board to make a decision. This is whatever. You know, um, so I, th I think that getting that culture right for that board is important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool, cool. Definitely. Ah, security. One cannot forget security. No. And true. it can go wrong so damn easily. Yes. So for one of my customers, we're now really focusing on uh, roles that a user can be in so a user has to be an intranet reader a user has to be uh, somebody who participates in collaboration a user has to be an hr uh, person a reader of his own uh, hr information things like that and we're really building our active directory groups and structure around all those different roles so role-based access control yes cool successful um it's not as easy as implemented as microsoft lets you it's to believe not easy but when we get it right it will bring us much more dynamic options of um of, of deciding who gets to do what okay i'm just gonna leave it at that yes that's a good thing i've yeah. failed at this so many times yeah. or companies have failed at this so yes. many times yes. it, it really is incredibly difficult yeah. and the overhead the financial overhead for your ongoing support is something that you seriously need to consider exactly the the level of um not, not really difficulty but the level of of administration that you want to put on there really is yeah. high yeah it's Absolutely. High. So yeah. I'll give you an example. Um, uh, I have a team and that team is a group of um, SharePoint administrators. Let's yep. do that. Mm -hmm. So they have certain roles to access the administration sites of SharePoint and everything else. So they have a role, okay? Mm -hmm. And there's certain criteria for that role. And then there's a role that is a help desk support person. So I have to create that one. And then there's a role that is a um, SharePoint um enabler so they create sites create libraries whatever yeah. so i have three roles to do now if i have an external person i still want them to do exactly the same as my enabler but they're not allowed access to top secret sites yes ah, so i now need to create a fourth role um and of course that means i need to, okay how many roles do i now need to manage yeah so it really can get very complex, so you have to yes. commit to it. Yes, and and the 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 build in um, everyone except external users doesn't always apply to everyone. Depends on as what you just they said. Use. I've yeah. got external users that need to collaborate with me as well. Well, they're not into the everyone except external users group. For, for example, the, the the university that I'm working with, uh, they are actually. Um, also, they, they have a medical university as well, and they're running their own tenant. 
they're all external users. They can't go to our intranet because our intranet is everyone except external users. So they can't be there. So we need to set up separate uh, AD groups to allow those people in there as well. The overhead of doing role-based access control is very high. It's not as beneficial. And if we talk about reasons for failure here, there are so many of those five areas here that get into that. Um, Business problems or yeah mm-hmm. yeah so the business problems area so the business say yeah but we now need this role and we now need that role and we now need the other role and i can guarantee they will come with a person that is in two roles but they don't need access to something else yeah so then you end up creating another role so those the business leadership decisions here that's crucial we are going to do role-based access control and we will support it and we know it's expensive yes and so you cannot cut this budget it's not something you can say, hey, we're taking four people out of your uh, access management team because you're now committed to, to it. And so it's really cool if you can get it to work and it adds value, but it's very difficult to get there. Success measurement, crucial for this. If you don't get that right, you won't ever know whether it was the right decision or not. And culture, sure. of course. Yeah, a Managers and leader teams. Yeah. Yes, it, it's a no-brainer. There are, yeah. there are, it really is. An, it's yeah. incredibly cool if you can get it to work. Yeah. Um, and uh, and you have an organization that is very well structured and doesn't change too much because you join a mover lever program when mm-hmm. you do role based access control. Yeah. True. Good. Yeah. I just like the old fashioned model. <laughs> Put a site owner in and let them decide who can see their content. Yes. <laughs> if it was only about SharePoint, yes, definitely. But then still. What, what I'm also seeing with the universities, we, we did a migration from SP 2013 to uh, online. And of course, we've got a gazillion people in security groups that yes. are no longer working there anymore. They have retired. They have gone on to other jobs and it's not managed. No, and universities particularly, they have, you know, 70% of their workforce mm-hmm. disappear every year. Yes. Or change. You know, so you have a lot of, uh, it's cool, I get whether, and that's one of the reasons for doing role-based, of course. Mm -hmm. I am a student on this course, so I need access to these services. Yeah. Throw you in that group. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, then you would have dynamic groups, and that's even cooler. That's very true. Yes. That's very true. Then you need to be only in the cloud, no on-premise AD. Yes. So... We know so much crap around this. You noticed? We know all the yes, things that go but wrong. But don't don't let us don't let us do it. Let us talk about it. <laughs> yeah, but don't let yeah. us don't put us in front of Azure AD and say, okay, now set it up. No, yeah, that's okay. true. That's very very true. But we can we can actually. But we can yeah. talk to the people that can set it up. That's true. This is what yes. we need. Yes. All right. Cool. Cool. That was an interesting conversation. And the reason I'm stopping this conversation is because it's 55 minutes gone already and we have not even talked about our whiskeys. But that's okay. We knew this was going to be big. Yes. So I I kind of want to do a bit of a recap why you pour Pour us some some drinks. So we will do a final recap, of course, at the end. But what we basically did in this podcast was we, we took the kind of structures that you need to put into place to make Microsoft 365 work. And then we looked at the five areas of failure for business transformation. And we kind of combined them together. There's a grand total here of I'll get on quickly now because the risk is being poured. Um, but uh, there, is, there are a grand total of 25 different kinds of combinations. But it's not a bad matrix to put together. Do your reporting. Identify those areas that uh, have been known to cause failures. Get your structure and your project plan together. Mix and match them and try and, uh, and, try and work out what the risks are of something going wrong. All right. We are drinking another blend. We did a blend last podcast yes does that mean we're sacrificing quality over quantity well let me ask a different question was the last whiskey we taste on the podcast bad not at all i i think i have been discovering recently that blends have a lot of complexity that you don't always get from a single malt it's true and that is mainly when you get a brilliant master blender who can really say okay 
this whiskey has these notes, this whiskey has these notes. If we combine them in this way, then we can bring out the top notes of this one and then these bass notes that would complement something oh yes that's what it gets us yeah. so in this particular case uh it's a douglas lang independent bottler yeah okay mm -hmm. uh there's been knocking out whiskey since kind of 1948 so i think okay. they've had lots of practice <laughs> yes at blending uh, uh whiskies together now these are all lowland blended malt whiskies so it's still a kind of single malt but not an official single malt because it's from different distillations yeah. and not the same distillation mm -hmm. um and so it's it's lowland whiskey, so it's all Scotch whiskey. Yeah, but lowland, so that's like Glasgow, Edinburgh. Yep. That that kind of okay. That yeah. that kind of area yeah, of Scotland. Yeah. 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 So uh, it is it is pretty cool. So Douglas Lang, you'll find a few of them. This one is called the Epicurean, and I'm not going to go into it now. But you should read online about why it's called the Epicurean and the type of. Uh, person the Epicurean is, and that will explain why they've made this whiskey. So I'm not going to pull that away. But it's a uh, small batch released, uh, and it is a fabulously light color. I'm starting to trust light-colored whiskies, you know, <laughs> because we've had so many cool, really yes. smoky ones that have been of that color. Yeah. Uh, and this is great. It's the color of urine. Um, and, uh, well, no, I it depends on how much that. you water you had to drink, yeah. but it is, it is, uh, it, it's not, it doesn't have any like brown or red hues in it, no. so it's really it's, yellowy. It's clear, lemony, yeah. yes. am light amber, I mm. guess. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so it's the Epicurium. Mm -hmm. um, we did have a little taste earlier, yeah. and we have it now, so yes. just excuse me a minute while I check the nose again. Ugh, horrible. And Moraine, it has that... Horrible. That sourness that he really doesn't like in the nose of a whiskey. No, exactly. And that is also what uh, puts me off from that uh, five-year-old uh, Artbeck. That really has that sour, citric nose. You call it green apples. It's it's that. Sour apples, not green apples. Yeah, no. no well, sour apples. Well, there's a difference yeah, the because... Granny Smith. Yeah, whisper yeah. tears. No, I I don't I don't like it at all. Um, well, that's when I think dropping putting a drop of water in here. We know that loses it. I'm yep. not suggesting you do it now, but mm. by putting a drop of water in there and throwing some oxygen in it, it does tend yep. to lose that kind of like sterileness. And I know I mm -hmm. went all quiet again there because I was sniffing the whiskey and talking at the same time. But I, for me, I like it. I quite I quite like you do. it. Do actually it, it when, comes across as smooth when you uh, swirl it around. It really loses that that sour note. Yeah. Oh, that's now, amazing. Yeah. Now, the reason that I'm getting into blends is, is a, a good whiskey for me is about its complexity and its finish. I've said yep. this before. Uh, the, so, you know, from nose to taste to finish to me, if, if I get three different genres or flavors, then then I'm hooked. And that's... Yes. If the, a whiskey me, tells works. you a story... Exactly. And a good like story that. has a beginning, a center, and an end. A middle and an yes. end, yes. And no, absolutely, it does. Because, as I said, to me, the, the, the smell is horrible unless I swirl it around. But when you taste it, it's it's a, a taste explosion. It, it's it is that. wonderfully miraculous. See, it, it, it has a, a, on the sides of the tongue, it kind of lights them up. And it, it's not pepper we were trying to work this out earlier it's not that peppery stuff and it's not the chili that we had in some of the american tastes but and, and it's not fruity either i can tell you everything it's not exactly the bottle says it's mixed spices <laughs> and yes the, the, i can the, these see that blenders are in a group going yeah it's not this it's not that what do we, we'll just call it mixed spices yes it is spicy yes uh, it's it is a little bit like those chili crisps that you have the yep. first one is great. The second one is wonderful. By the time you got to the fifth one, you're going, I think I'll take a break now. <laughs> exactly. You know? Which is great because you can't overeat on yeah. those. Yeah. But but when it dies off, you you kind of end up with that sour fruit just laying across the back of the tongue in a very pleasant way. It's kind of not, not orangey. Um, it's hard, it, hard candy. Yeah, I guess it is, yes. but not so sweet. So let's don't give no. the impression it's sweet. This is not a sweet whiskey. It is a, it is a, a, a drinking whiskey. It's a man's bar 
kind of whiskey. It's yeah. scotch. It's got balls. It has. Yeah. It has. And the f- flavour, um, I kind of, it's subtle. It is, it, because those spices are mm, really overpowering. They are, but when they die yeah. away, yeah, and you get that finish, and the yeah. finish goes on. It's got a little caramel in there mm. as well. Yeah, burnt caramel. Yeah. I can taste that. Yeah. I, I, there's a couple of guys on um, uh, on YouTube. Uh, I think it's called the Whiskey Tribe, the Whiskey Troop. I can't remember. They 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 do a lot of tasting. Yeah. And I just love watching. There's one guy, and he just spends 15 minutes just pulling all the different flavors out as it matures and as he tastes it. And this, to me, is one of those whiskeys. It's not a great whiskey. Don't get me wrong. It is a blend, but it is an interesting story. I love that yeah. analogy. It is an interesting story. It definitely is. Yeah. And once you've tasted it, the nose does ease off quite well. So let's try adding a bit of water in there. There's a hole that you need to cover. Yeah, but I, I was looking for it. My Father's Day present is here, which is a beautiful dropper from, uh, from the Angel Share. It's a Scottish glass company. Highly recommend that you check these out. They're absolutely wonderful tools. So just dropping some water in. Um, and I think it actually makes a, a really pleasant, smooth whiskey with a touch of water. I'm just watching Moraine see whether he pulls a face again. It takes away that kind of the harshness of those spices. And and it brings out the cinnamon in that spice, actually. It brings out the cinnamon. Yeah. That is true. I just had an epic spice explosion in my mouth epicurean you have an epicurean moment yeah all right cool so so there you go folks it's a douglas lang independent bottler um it's called the epicurean it's a mixture of malts from the lowland area of scotland i like it moraine's not sure um, but it's a very pleasant drink. I, I, yeah. Am I going to turn to this every day? No, I'm not. But when I actually need something that is not so fresh, that really is going to go, I'm a whiskey. I'm a Scotch whiskey that's got those spices in. Uh, a drop of water to smooth it down after I finished half the glass to kind of uh, turn it into that kind of, you know, uh, end of day drink, that relaxing. I would go for this. Mm-hmm. Happy, I'm happy with it, but you know, is it is it is it a, is it a single malt with a, a lot of body and sherry and bourbon? No, it's not. A specific, it's not meant to be. No, no. it's it's, not, uh, no. it's meant to be an invented Scotch. Yes, and I think it does it very well. Yes, I wouldn't get a bottle of it for myself, but if I would see it in a bar, I would definitely, depending on my mood, I would definitely get it. Cool. There yeah. you go. Well, I thought it would be a good experiment after having a few blends just recently, mainly from Japan. Yeah. And uh, and I think it will be. And for me, it's a tasty drink, and I will certainly carry on drinking that. Whether I will have it down to the last inch by the 12th of September um, to finish it off, I do not know. Um, but there you go. But you're starting to get into it, aren't you? <laughs> more and more. Hmm. More and more. It All is right. a drinker's whiskey. That's it true. is. Yes. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. Good. All right. Did so, you enjoy this? Yes. Good subject matter. Absolutely. Yeah. And I love how we kind of combined our two ideas. You wanted to talk structure to process. And I really want to talk about five reasons why things fail. And I think we made a wonderful mashup of those two. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, I th- I think that uh, it's interesting that we do this by instinct, but mm-hmm. I mean we've been doing this for a reasonable amount of time. Yes. Um, and you know, Office Three Six Five is ten years old this week. Yes. So I saw you know, that. it's yeah. it's been around for ten years. So it's matured immensely from when it first came out as whatever it Beep was boss. called. Yeah, yeah, that that was not very cool. No, but it was. But real SharePoint but online you know whereas yes. now it's a service it's exactly. now focused on the content mm-hmm. and that's exactly what we've been talking about doing here we've been talking about preparing the content for the user um, with all the underlying things that users don't need to know about 
but mm -hmm. uh, but that was good and I really liked that combination of looking at how something might fail and I think if I was honest about this podcast I don't think we did a good enough job of identifying the reasons for failure you know we talk, talked about not having the leadership in place not having the culture but maybe we expand on this in a future one yeah. uh, around that culture and leadership importance about this uh, this structure because mm -hmm. I think there's a lot more stuff we can dig into there and help people out. So, sure. so there you go. Yeah. So it's that time again where I go very quiet and let Moraine finish the podcast all on his own <laughs> without saying a word. Yes, okay. So anyway, it's Steve Dolby, Sci Steve on anything, Google, Twitter, whatever you'll find me, uh, saying bye. Hope you've enjoyed this. I know we went over the hour, uh, but hey, you know, we're working with the Converse people. Uh, and uh, and introducing some of their sponsors and we wanted to include that in this so we hope you enjoyed it and didn't get too bored and that you're still listening Moren, say goodnight thank you all for listening for sticking with us for yet another really cool episode uh, a structured episode as well uh, at least for us because we have our board here where we wrote down everything that we want to talk about so with that I say goodbye to next time and uh, talk to you soon. Ciao. We are not millennials. We are matured. Steve may be more than Maren. Maturing the business like whiskey in a barrel.